0: Like what you hear? You can access exclusive content and other perks at patreon.com slash the Union Edge.
1: This is the Union Edge Laborers Talk Radio. I'm Nathan Ruggles. Thanks so much for joining us here on the program today. I'd like to thank the United Mine Workers as well as the IBEW Local 5. We appreciate their support and the support of everyone that uh, keeps us on the air here with the Union Edge. And uh, you can check us out and uh, what we have to offer for uh, folks on Patreon. We're on Patreon now, so go to patreon.com slash theunionedge. Again, that's patreon.com slash theunionedge. So it is now time for informed action here on the union edge that means it's it's the tom and allen show that's what it really is so online we have with us the former member of the pennsylvania state senate alan kukovich alan it's great to have you on this program
2: good to be with you nathan
1: and of course the uh, former westmoreland county democratic commissioner tom balia
2: hi nathan hello alan hey tom good to hear you
1: all right guys so uh, so much going on so much to talk about so um uh, real quick, I'd like to start off with you know we've we're in the this this what's your what's your quick thought on the fallout from the government shutdown, uh, Tom?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I, I've seen some grumbling that the Democrats caved, and uh, I mean, I think you have to look at what the potential was. We were never going to get. Republicans to suddenly become reasonable. Uh we could have held out forever and and that they would never change their minds. I think we acted responsibly. Um, We're, again, going to be able to put them on a hot seat on on immigration. But I think importantly, uh, and something very uh, special to Alan, is CHIP got funded, I believe, for the next seven years. So uh, that very important piece of legislation got taken care of, despite all the partisanship. So, uh, I mean, I think the real story isn't the shutdown the real story is the republican party so dysfunctional they can't even do real budgets these continuing resolutions are nothing but stopgap measures and really an acknowledgement that they don't even have uh, a a real working majority out of their majority in in the certainly in the house but uh, probably in the senate too
1: well, Alan, you know, I, I I think Tom said it said it right. I mean, uh, uh, CHIP, which is kind of lost in the whole discussion uh, over the shutdown, too often is is a program near and dear to your heart.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Tom. I, I think one of the most important things coming out of this is that CHIP has been uh, reauthorized, and actually, it's it's for six years, and and that's important. Um, but I I really like Tom's point about the fact that. Uh, we've become almost accustomed to these ridiculous continuing resolutions. That's not the way, this is a rather recent occurrence. I mean, it's happened very rarely in the past, but now we can't get a typical budget done. That leads to lack of continuity. It it leads to inconsistency that hurts us in terms of of foreign policy, in terms of economic policy. Um, and, And it points out the, the radicalization of the majority Republican Party here, that they just can't agree to do anything uh, because they're just against government. Um, and I think that's that's a real problem. And at a time when whenever we should be thinking about what's in the best long-term interest of our economic future, we don't get to address that. I mean, we're just trying to decide how we get from one month to the next. Uh, that's not good governing.
2: Well, and, and I think, you know, they've pretended to be these fiscally responsible uh, leaders, but obviously the tax bill uh, is going to create financial problems for the federal budget. But even this continually stopgap spending things uh, make things more cumbersome, make the cost of borrowing more... Um, Erratic because we're never planning even on an annual basis anymore, and um, I think it, it does speak volumes for um, the major about the majority party, and hopefully, um, and we're going to get a. a case firsthand here in southwestern Pennsylvania in March, hopefully people are fed up with it. And they're going to start electing people uh, and sending them to Washington that want to find solutions. And I think uh, that's what uh, the Democratic nominee in the 18th district special election, Connor Lamb, has gone on record as saying he wants to go to Washington and make things start working right again.
1: Now, 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 guys, uh, you're talking about this, this dysfunction with the budget, the irresponsibility of the taxes. I, I thought the Republican Party was the party of fiscal responsibility.
3: Well, that's uh, a political talking point. It has nothing to do with governing. They might want us to believe that, but they have been uh, incredibly irresponsible. Um, and that's, that's part of the problem. Um, they're, they're going to, to go along with what Trump wants uh, to play to his base, and and because he'll probably sign most of what they give him to play to their rich donors. Uh, but uh, to, to be fiscally responsible, you have to worry about more than, than talking points for the next election. You have to, to realize what's happening down the road. Uh, when Trump talks about Uh, saving coal miners' jobs when the coal mining industry for over a decade has been taking jobs away, when we don't have more than 55,000 coal mining jobs in the entire country, while there are over 100,000 green energy jobs in California alone. I mean, if if we want to help the, the, the future of mine workers and their families and their communities, we need to be talking about what kind of jobs are going to be available 5, 10, 15 years from now. And that discussion is being thrown away because if we don't take actions now, those jobs are not going to be there. About four years ago, we had an opportunity to be the world leader in all kinds of uh, renewable, sustainable energy jobs and wind and solar and geothermal, etc. Most of the, the the ideas of the... the uh, procreative um, uh, uh, technologies started here, but they haven't been commercialized here. Over 80% of all solar panels now are being made in China.
2: And what are we now going to do? We're going to slap a tariff on it to make uh, the the transition to renewable energy uh, uh, more costly and potentially hurt a, a growing job uh, pool in in those renewable jobs. So we're doing uh, actually the contrary to what we should be doing.
3: Yeah. And that's not only bad for our future, but economists are saying right now, Tom, with that tariff you just mentioned on, which again, it sounds good. I mean, short term, a lot of people said, oh, well, Trump's teaching those, uh, those Chinese by, by slapping the tariff on the, on the solar panels. Well, the reality is that American jobs now aren't in making solar panels. They're in installation, maintenance, things related to it. And if this sets back the solar, in- solar industry, then it will lose jobs for American workers in that industry.
1: Uh, guys, so what? what is the solution to meeting the challenge posed by China as a manufacturer of solar panels? Uh, is just one example of the renewable technologies of the future that this country can choose to be on the forefront of or not or secede it to, whether it's China or or some other country in the world, what is the solution to helping this country move forward, not just as you pointed out in those those local jobs of servicing installing maintaining solar panels but manufacturing as well how do we how do we boost manufacturing uh in this country on on those that front without um uh, without without the use of tariffs
3: well there there are uh, there isn't any one thing to do but there are a number of things in, in a concerted strategy uh, uh investing in our infrastructure obviously is key but you know i i've been uh, over the years, down to, to Carnegie Mellon, to see some of the things they're they're doing, and not just with with robotics and and that kind of technology, but with great ideas on products that aren't even high tech. That if commercialized, would conserve energy, would would uh, uh, lower uh, energy costs for consumers, would create new jobs. But um, those ideas. Uh, are if, if they're not commercialized, if government doesn't step in and provide incentives to the private sector to, to, to move into, into making the kind of of pro- those kinds of products, it just isn't going to happen, but other countries will pick up on it. Eventually, they get hold of the intellectual property and like with solar pa- panels or maglev trains or whatever, they're building, they're doing, they're, they're creating new markets, and we are not. And we've let that happen now, and we can't keep continue to let that happen. So I, I would like uh, uh, folks who are, are in, in the administration or in, in, in uh, the, the appropriate committees, in, in Congress, to begin to look to our, our universities. And to look to the new ideas, the the uh, new entrepreneurial or private sector areas that are coming up with these ideas, and and figure out how we can build the public-private partnerships for all these new industries. And it might vary from region to region, but but a targeted approach could turn this around. And, and give us a much brighter future.
1: Um, we, we do have to take a quick break, though, but when you come back, Tom, I'd I love to hear your thoughts on, on the matter as, as well. And uh, we'd like to talk about um, uh, we got uh, this big meeting going on in Davos that's related to this as well that uh, we should discuss when we come back. So we're in the midst right now of Informed Action with uh, Tom Ballion and Alan Kukovic. This is Nathan Ruggles. We'll be back here in just a moment.
0: The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 66, works with builders and contractors to build a better community. Local 66's tradesmen and women have received the specialty training needed to meet the complex challenges of any project, making them the most capable workforce in the region. From schools, highways, and pipeline projects to casinos and arenas, the operating engineers build any job, large or small. For over 100 years, Local 66 has provided superior service that our community can count on. They are your one-stop resource for qualified and productive operating engineers and heavy equipment mechanics. To learn more about the benefits of organized labor and more information about the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 66, go to www.iuoe66.org. That's wwwiuoe 66org
3: Hey, everyone. Let's all stop what we're doing and take a moment. You see? Every moment can be kind of special. But they can be loud moments, goofy moments, dorky moments. It doesn't matter. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Call 877 4 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: We are the BCTGM fighting for American jobs. Nabisco, maker of iconic snack brands like Oreo, Ritz crackers, and Chips Ahoy has made its fortunes in America and its patriotic response has been to send U.S. jobs to Mexico. As a result, consumers across the U.S. continue to boycott their Mexican-made products. Corporate revenues are down across North America. Consumers are sending a loud, clear message. Now, religious leaders from all faiths across the U.S. are calling for an investigation into this Nabisco business model and have scheduled a six-city tour to look deeper into the matter. Just as the NAFTA negotiations are in the forefront, the faith community will begin to talk to workers, politicians, and other faith-based leaders addressing this U.S. jobs exodus by Nabisco from a moral and ethical perspective and widely publishing their findings. The BCTGM and Interfaith Workers Justice, its faith-based coalition partner, ask all people of faith and social conscience to join this fight against Nabisco's exploitation of workers in the U.S. and in Mexico. Millions are already not buying Nabisco products made in Mexico, and it's already impacting their bottom line. Join our fight for moral and economic justice at fightforamericanjobs.org. Like what you hear, you can access exclusive content and other perks at Patreon.com/slash/TheUnionEdge.
1: And we're back. This is the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. I'm Nathan Ruggles. Uh, thanks for being with us here today. I'd like to thank the Pennsylvania AFL CIO, also uh, the AFGE. American Federation of Government Employees for supporting this program, uh, and uh, we are on the line here with Informed Action. That means we're on the line here with uh, Tom Balia and Alan Kukovic. Thanks, guys, for coming on the program.
2: Good to be Hi. with you. To you Thanks, Tom.
1: All right. So, so Tom, uh, we were just talking before the break. Alan was uh, talking about his thoughts in terms of how, how do we how do we create these these good. Uh, Energy technology, manufacturing jobs of the future, how do we make sure that this is a, a homegrown thing here in this well, country?
2: I think uh, it's going to be an, an evolutionary process in some ways. I think that demand will really drive um, the real uh, creation of domestic production of like something like solar panels and we're slow learners in america so it the, the three of us might not be around when it, the demand grows to that level but uh, and also because people now have gotten to experience cheap energy costs with natural gas for now um if that goes up and the then uh renewable looks even more attractive that will speed up the process um I don't know about um, Congress uh, ever becoming enlightened enough to go to our universities and really try to pull that out. Uh, it's almost the contrary now with some people in Congress. They mistrust higher education and look at particularly scientific thought out of universities as some kind of uh, partisan uh, ideology or something like that. So that process um, may be a challenge. But I, I do think that as consumers in America begin to recognize um, that value, I think it, it we'll slowly create, a, if there's enough demand, somebody starts making those kind of products here in the United States. Um, it's just going to take time.
1: Well, and I, I guess we can maybe take some hope that, that, that Winston Churchill was right that the United States, in this way as well as others, that we we always um, end up doing the right thing after we try everything else. But um, so so so, Alan, how, how does this all tie into um, this uh, World Economic Forum going on in Davos? We know uh, President Trump is there. Um, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I I would hope that the discussion in Davos wouldn't be about. Uh, uh, politicizing the economy so so the world leaders go back to their countries and Trump comes back and says, well, we're going to do this to bring this industry back, or textiles or steel or whatever, because things are evolving so rapidly. Technology changes or uh, and improvements are happening so rapidly now that we need elected governmental and and business leaders who are going to think more about the future. Uh, Tom raised the point about us being slow learners. That's true, and it's kind of a human nature thing. But we need to have in place policies in this country and resources for adult retraining. Because just a year ago at this time, Bank of America started testing branch locations without employees. Full-service banking automatically. Uh, A little more than a year ago, Budweiser transported truckloads of beer 120 miles without a driver. I mean, there are tens of, in our major cities, in D.C. and and Philadelphia, New York, there are 10, 20, 25,000 taxi drivers who won't have those jobs in the near future. Uh, There are so many things that are going to change we haven't even thought of yet. But at least we should have plans for retraining of those workers Uh, because every time technology makes a change, it does create the need for human beings to do different types of work. We need to be prepared and ready in this country to meet those changes quickly because if we don't, that's where the future competition for jobs around the world is coming from. And if our education is allowed to flounder, not just K-12, through not just higher ed. We've got to factor in lifelong learning now if we're going to keep people employed and employed in good jobs. And that's something that's not even being discussed. That's got to be on our political agenda. So anybody out there that hears a politician say, well, we're just going to make things the way that it was a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you know right there a red flag is raised. And I think it's going to take labor unions and workers, when they hear that message, to say, hey, wait a minute, we see what changes are happening in our industry, and, and we want our workers, if those if those things change rather than be out of work, get new jobs. It's
1: well,
2: t- uh, I agree with Alan in the sense that uh, we cl- it's clearly easier for politicians to promise people something from the past that they know and may have felt comfortable with. It's very difficult to promise people, hey, we're going to retrain you for something for the future, because there's so much uncertainty with that. But undoubtedly, we are never going backwards. We're only going forward. And we have had that that problem that Alan described with technology replacing humans For 150 years now since the Industrial Revolution started and we haven't come to grips with that that reality yet that it has to be an ongoing retraining process and you know for often for financial reasons we're so eager to replace people with machines because it's ultimately cheaper but we don't think of those consequences and we've done it from poll takers on the highway to the checkout at the supermarket and as Alan says it's going to continue to happen happen uh, with uh, automation and vehicles driving without people. So we have to try to recognize that. Sadly, our president is going over to Davos now, eh, almost trying to do damage control because of his... irrational comments uh, a few weeks ago describing uh, some of the countries that are, are participating in this global conference. And, and that's why there are consequences to what we say and do here in the United States. Uh, those consequences are felt around the world. And we have to be wiser and more prudent in what our leaders say. And uh, if we, otherwise, our stature in the world is going to continue to decline.
1: Well, that means we have to elect a leaders that are going to be wiser and more prudent, right? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, you've seen polling. Uh, uh, our, our stature in the world's dropped 18 percent in one year, as far as the leader. Um, the, the Chinese leader is really uh, be taking the, the lead in climate change, you know. And w- Americans like to, to accuse the Chinese, and, and rightfully so. They have been huge polluters, but they've come to the realization that they can't continue down that path. We somehow think it's a, a political football. To argue about uh, protecting our environment.
1: <laughs> well, well, guys, beyond uh, the election here in, in November 2018, and uh, even the next presidential election, what, what hope do you see for making at least uh, some progress or incremental changes here in, in the near future on these issues?
3: Tom, why don't you uh, run with that? Because I've got to go to a meeting right now, okay. and I'll, well, I'll, Nathan, I'll talk to you next uh, week.
2: I think for the future, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic that younger generations are smarter. They're more conscientious about the environment. They're certainly more tech tech savvy. So, um, and hopefully, as social barriers and cultural barriers are broken down more within our own. Uh, society, uh, we continue to reach out to, to uh, our partners around the world because we are really interconnected uh, with people around the world economically, and it's never going to become undone. So we need to create a relationship that really does work for us and work for others.
1: And uh, real quick time as we, uh, Tom, as we wrap up here, uh, do you think this president, or do you think uh, those uh, others that are attending the World Economic Forum, that in spite of him, are going to be able to, to uh, some of our diplomatic corps or trade representatives, going to be able to patch things up and move well, forward? I-
2: and I, I doubt that uh, one conference is going to uh, solve some of the, the challenges that we now face uh, with our relationships, not just with pe- countries like China, but even with our, our closest allies. Uh, so I, I think that uh, what the president does makes the job of our diplomatic corps and our, our business leaders uh, e- even an even greater challenge.
1: All right. Well, we do need to wrap it up, Tom. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. All right. It's Tom Ballion. We have Alan Kukovic with us here on Informed Action. This is Nathan Ruggles with you on the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio.
0: Like what you hear? You can access exclusive content and other perks at patreon.com slash Edge.